Hey everybody, uh, good afternoon, because we just, we just started the afternoon. Uh, I'm Scott Rothschild, I'm the communications editor with KASB, and uh, working, working the production. Uh, Leah Flyter, our governmental relations director, uh, will be uh, moving the slides, and uh, uh, Melissa Holder is uh, running the, uh, the, the, uh, the whole show. Uh, <laughs> we're glad you all are here today, and we have a, a really uh, great special guest this morning, or this afternoon again. Uh, Kathy Bush is the chairwoman of the State Board of Education. Uh, she represents the Wichita uh, area, and uh, this is, I believe she is in her second term uh, on the board. Uh, she uh, uh, is also uh, on several uh, committees and task force, the Governor's Education Council, uh, the task force that deals with mental health, uh, redesign, uh, lots of other things. She is a uh, retired administrator from the Wichita School District, and uh, we are just really glad to have her here. As you can see on the slide, she's going to talk about remote learning, CASA, uh, and dyslexia. And before I turn it over to you, Kathy, uh, just if you got, if anyone has questions uh, on these issues, please type them in the chat box, and we will check the chatter uh, after uh, Kathy is through with each of these subjects. So, uh, and then we'll take some questions. So, um, thanks for everyone being here. And uh, uh, Kathy, I'll just uh, turn the floor over to you uh, now. Thank you. Okay, great. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the invitation to be on uh, today with folks from, I'm sure, throughout the state. Uh, like Scott said, I'm going to try to cover three topics that are probably of uh, immediate uh, past interest from the most recent state board meeting but I'll sure be happy to take questions of other things. And before I start, I'd like to thank all of you for what you do. Uh, I know, I think we have mostly uh, local board members on and uh, you know, what you do has been made so much more difficult this year with uh, the pandemic we're dealing with and appreciate everything that you do and trying to um, get some semblance of normalcy for our students and our families and our teachers. Uh, Back in schools, I had the opportunity yesterday, uh, superintendent out at Circle, Don Potter, uh, invited me to come out. That's one of my, I actually just have five school districts that I represent. I have a, a heavily, uh, uh, densely populated district, but it, geographically it's fairly small and I do represent part of the Circle District. So I went out there yesterday to kind of tour some of their schools and it was a great opportunity to, uh, local board president was there also and the soup and a few other folks so we got to tour around and see the students and see what they're able to do at this point in time and everybody's different uh, and everybody's going to be different and uh, so thank you for what you're doing and I know what you I know the difficult decisions you're going to continue to have to make uh, I have a feeling some of us are going to be in and out of school uh, over the course of the year and hopefully we'll get that vaccine uh, and one thing is interesting, I was talking to Scott just a little bit earlier in Sedgwick County, which is where I live. Uh, our numbers this summer were up above 12%, and now we've uh, 
just yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, broke the 6% threshold. So we've dropped quite a bit. So uh, feel pretty good about that. Uh, at least that's better and hopefully it will continue to, uh, to improve. So um, one of the first things I want to talk about was the remote learning logs and the remote learning logs you probably are familiar with. Um, it is a, a system that was set up to help with accountability in schools. As you all know, you have to be audited. Uh, you are required to have the 1,116 hours uh, in school. And uh, so this was a system that was designed to be set up. Um, I believe probably all state board members, I certainly heard from teachers, school people, I actually even heard from parents that were frustrated with this, with this system. And uh, so we listened, uh, the decision was made uh, by the commissioner and some of the other folks at uh, KSDE uh, fairly recently. And then they communicated with the um, superintendents to uh, change the remote learning log requirement. So this particular sheet, and this is from the uh, uh, Navigating Change 2020 document, and this, uh, this particular sheet just talks a little bit about remote learning. And some of you may be in person with all students, but at some point in time, you may have to go to remote. Uh, what we're seeing for the most part is our larger school districts and some of our suburban school districts in our, our densely populated areas, uh, a lot of them have started either remote or hybrid. So uh, this has applied to them right away. But one of the things that you'll see on here is enrollment and attendance. And there is a requirement that um, there's still, even with the change from the daily log, there still will be a requirement that attendance is taken. But if you look at the daily log piece, which is uh, kind of in that, uh, gosh, I'd say middle column, but there's basically four columns, but the daily log, <laughs> That, that is no longer in effect. So no longer do uh, parents and teachers have to deal with a daily log, but it is still expected that uh, you'll be taking attendance. Um, uh, even if they're remote, a lot of folks have a way to do that just on your electronic platform, whatever you're using. And then also there should be some daily connection with a local teacher. There's a variety of ways folks are doing that, but a daily connection. Now in place of the daily log, and uh, Lee, if you'd go to that assurances page, which I think is page five. Okay, this is remote learning 2020, 2021 assurances page. And this is going to be, this is the one that the school board president and the superintendents of schools sign, but there is going to be a form that is going to be for our parents to sign. So what they basically will have is an assurances page that basically says that they are providing uh, a place for the kids to be, uh, that they can get online, support, those kinds of things. So this information will be coming out. It will look different than this because some of the assurances will be diff different. This obviously is the uh, one that has to go for the for the school district but there will be an assurances page for the parents to sign and they just have to sign it once so let's say you are totally in remote learning right now so they will need to sign one of these that they that the parent gives assurances that they're uh, uh, 
agreeing to certain things that allow for uh, that child to be in remote learning. Some of you might be in hybrid, so a couple days they're in session uh, in your school, a couple days they're remote. So those students will need to do a remote uh, learning assurances also. And then some people, I gave example, I just heard on the news, uh, I believe it was last night that Mead out in Western Kansas, our uh, Wichita news media covers all of Western Kansas. So they just announced that they were going out uh, because the numbers have spiked. So they'll be going remote next week. So if those kinds of situations would occur, then you would, uh, you would use that assurances page that is for the for the parent and the individual students. So that's new um, just this week. And uh, we hope it will alleviate uh, some workloads, some concerns that some folks have had as far as the daily learning log being, um, I guess I'd use the word cumbersome because uh, I think some folks struggled with that. So if you got any questions on uh, the assurances, I don't know that I can answer everything, but I can certainly try. Uh, but if anybody has questions, I don't know if they want to unmute and ask or if they want to do it on the chat room, whichever one is okay. Yeah, if anyone has any questions about the, the remote learning logs, uh, you can do it either way. Uh, just write it in the chat if you want. Uh, I know this was a pretty uh, controversial subject for uh, a bit. I see one question coming in. Is there a deadline on collecting the assurances? Yeah. You know, I don't know that there's, it, it's not gonna be an immediate deadline. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, gosh, what is it? Monday's official count date, right? Isn't that the 21st? Mm -hmm. okay, so you'll have official count date on Monday, but I don't know that there's gonna be a, you know, we're not gonna say they have to be in within the next week. I mean, this is, this is for auditing purposes and the audits won't start right away. I know your superintendent and the superintendent will uh, relate to the board. There will be uh, information on, you know, this is so freshly new. I actually thought I had a copy of the actual assurances page in it, uh, in the information that I had. <laughs> it wasn't found out right before we got online that it's actually the district's one. So uh, um, yeah, the no hard and fast deadline that we know of. So, but I mean, there will be, but no hard and fast one. Yeah, good question. Yes. Anyone else have a question about the uh, assurances? All right. Okay, we can always come back to it if someone has a question, so. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, the next topic I was gonna talk about was the accreditation piece, which uh, the initials for accreditation are KISA. Um, so uh, we are in a process right now that uh, this actually would be year five of the KISA process, the first cycle through. And what the board did, uh, the motion this last time, was to move to allow, uh, yep, nope, you, I don't think you have the actual motion, Leah, but it was to allow the, uh, on the exact motion, it's moved that the, uh, Kansas State Board of Education allow public and private systems as a voluntary option to suspend the Kansas Education Systems Accreditation activities through the fall of 2020 or continue in the KISA process as normal. 
So we did vote, this was actually a 10-0 vote to allow uh, school districts to either uh, suspend their activities. And we actually did this to the fall, uh, or excuse me, to the fall semester of 2020. We're actually bringing this item back in October because we want to do this for the entire year. I uh, don't have any reason to think that it won't pass. Of course, I've been surprised before, but I don't have any reason to think it won't pass. So what this will allow, and this is a sheet that's up on your screen now, that allows you to have the option. So for instance, uh, some people were supposed to have their uh, outside visitation team visit last year, but obviously because of COVID, you weren't able to do that. So, <coughs> excuse me, you were thinking about having that visit this fall. You now have the option to delay that uh, because quite frankly, just of everything going on. Uh, we do have, two systems who've completed their visit and they'll be coming up before us. You can see them listed there under the second bullet, Coffeyville and uh, Shawnee Heights. But all other systems are gonna be allowed to either um, suspend their KISA activities this for this, which will be after the October meeting the entire year, or uh, you can continue if you want to continue. So you'll, you'll be given, given that option. Uh, we are going to ask you uh, in that third bullet, it says, uh, uh, regardless of whether you're having a visit or not, that you complete the yearly update. And within the yearly update, there's a couple of uh, bullets that we want folks to uh, do. First of all, to explain how the COVID-19 has impacted your system, which we all know that's a major impact. And then also, to explain how now, once this, this school year started, even though it's in a unusual format, but explain how you're addressing the social emotional needs and the academic needs of your uh, students. So we're gonna be asking you to do a little narrative. Uh, we've also asked that there be some kind of a data that you're collecting at the be beginning of the year to kind of look at what's what's your loss, what's the student's loss as far as uh, academically. So that's something that's a, will be a key requirement for this year that you do uh, explain those pieces in a in a narrative uh, format. So um, and then for the 2020-2021 uh, school year, those of you who uh, uh, you can actually postpone your OVT visit this year. Now, if you decide to go forward with it, you can, but you can postpone it. Uh, under the second bullet there down towards the bottom, we're gonna ask that systems that are beginning a new cycle, so those of you that just completed the first cycle this last year, to not start working on the initial reporting, the authenticated application, because that's that particular report's going to be eliminated. So uh, that you don't want you don't want to start on that. Uh, also, uh, spring visits. Uh, it says here spring visits are not directly impacted by current board action, but again, we'll be bringing that up in October, and I have no reason to expect that we'll uh, we will allow you to either suspend your your keys of visits for this entire year or you can choose to go ahead with that um, so that is the uh, the most recent update on kiza and if you've got any questions there might be a couple in the chat i'll pull that up 
Oh, okay. There's somebody, somebody put that the staff stated the assurances forms need to be submitted prior to the time of your KSDE audit. So, and you will know what those will be. So any questions on keys at this time? I think the districts uh, are really going to feel a sense of relief that they're not going to have to do this <laughs> at this point in time. Everybody's got plenty on their plate. So uh, that's, uh, that's kind of a tall order at this point in time to ask you to continue with that. If there's not any questions on that, let's go to dyslexia. This may generate a few more questions. <laughs> okay, we had, uh, there is a dys, there, the State Board of Education voted to approve the recommendations of the Dyslexia Task Force 10 to zero uh, in an earlier motion. And then uh, what we were looking at was timelines for uh, uh, implementation and that was all going to start this year. The department, uh, this is what the department had recommended that and uh, what's on your slide here is uh, so that these four components basically continue uh, on track as far as what they are right now, that the College of Educations continue with their uh, programs, uh, the program studies that we're going to change. And actually, uh, to my knowledge, a lot of the colleges have already started this and have already got this in place, that they are training the, the structured literacy for their uh, new students that are in their program. So that will be continued. And then candidates for K-6 teaching licenses and the ELA endorsement, reading specialists and SPED have to pass the, uh, uh, an exam for the knowledge of reading and that, uh, that timeline is still on track. Uh, tiered systems of support, uh, quite frankly, that's uh, those of you that are familiar is really the MTSS the multi-tiered system of support. So uh, many of you are already doing that. So that, that is in place. The dyslexia handbook uh, was to be done uh, this summer and that now will be completed by uh, 2020 in November of this year. So that'll be the dyslexia time, time uh, handbook, excuse me. Okay, Leah, the next one, if you would. Okay, this is what, this is what was recommended to us for the uh, changes from the department. Uh, the dyslexia position, which was included in this, so this would have been somebody at KSDE who is uh, solely focusing on dyslexia, and this would be really pre-K through high school, so it would be a position that uh, folks focuses on everything. This position was in the law that was going to be passed last year in the legislature. There was a position and funding for it. And I, Scott, you may remember the amount more than I, it was 90,000 or something that would have paid for the position and a few other things. So that position was in the law. We had heard good things from the legislature. We had no reason to believe it wasn't going to be passed. Again, then the pandemic happened, so uh, the legislature left and this did not move forward. So we were, the department was gonna ask that this position be moved to a timeline of July of 2021 instead of this past July. And then the professional learning requirements uh, that were in the recommendation be moved to the end of the uh, 2021 school year rather than the beginning. 
uh, universal screening be moved to the beginning of 2022 instead of the 2021 school year. And then uh, evidence-based literacy, which is basically the structured literacy, be moved to the beginning of the 2022 school year rather than the 2021 school year. This motion did not pass. It failed on a 5-5 vote. Interestingly, interestingly enough, this is our second 5-5 vote we've had in the last couple months. I've been on, this is my eighth year, we've never had a 5-5 vote before, <laughs> before just recently. So, um, so since it failed on a 5-5, we do have 10 members, unlike uh, the local boards that have an um, odd number. Uh, and the reason we have 10 members is we all represent four Senate seats and there are 40 senators in the legislature. So that's why there are 10 state board members. So uh, the way the department is handling this is the dyslexia position, again, it was not funded. And right now what the department is going to do is split those duties among a variety of staff members. Uh, for instance, the university work is going to be probably uh, handled by one person. Uh, some of the work for uh, elementary is gonna be handled by one person. Some of the work for the uh, secondary as far as dyslexia is gonna be handled by another person. So until we get a dedicated position, and you know, we had questions at the board table and I'll go ahead and throw this out. We said, well, you know, we know you have money. Why don't you go ahead and fund this? Well, and as I explained to uh, one person, I said, you know, uh, the school districts did, through the Supreme Court case, did get additional funding. Now that didn't include the department. The department on a regular basis gets cut and uh, the budget is very lean right now and there really isn't any additional money to fund this position in the department. And then we had somebody who asked, well, what about the CARES money? Why don't you use the CARES money? Well, the CARES money, as you all know, is one-time money. It has to be uh, used, I believe it's by uh, September of 2021, and Leah and Scott will maybe correct me if I'm wrong there, but I believe that's why when the CARES money has to be used by. So we don't want to fund this position by what would be one-time money, because this is a position that we need to have solid funding for as we move into the future because this, uh, this initiative is an important initiative and we don't need a position funded by somebody that's based on soft money, quite frankly. Uh, the, training, the training this year will continue to be completed by TASN and by the service centers. The service centers have actually already done a lot of training and they're continuing to do that and TASN will continue to work on that training also. The universal screening, the districts need to be prepared to screen at all grade levels for dyslexia starting in August of 21. Um, I have heard from various districts that there, you know, there's a lot of good screeners for our elementary kids. The screeners for secondary are a little more difficult. So I know folks are looking for that and trying to figure out what we're gonna do about that. And then the evidence-based, uh, structured literacy or the structured literacy. Uh, the training, the curriculum needs to be in place by the start of August 2021. Now, what Randy has shared with some districts is uh, if this 
actually these components, now number one doesn't impact the local districts, it impacts the department, but the other requirements of professional learning, the universal screening, and then the, then the uh, training and the curriculum piece, if that continues to be uh, an overwhelming uh, situation, you don't feel like you should, you can get that done. He wants uh, districts to let him know uh, with the possibility. Uh, we don't know if that would be, but that might be brought back to the board at a later time, because we just don't know what's gonna happen with the, with the pandemic. So that's the latest with the dyslexia with our 5-5 vote. So if you've got questions on that, I'd be happy, I would be happy to try to answer them. I'm not sure I'll be able to get all those answered, but I would certainly try. So if anybody has questions, I don't see anything in the chat box right now, or if you want to just ask, I would certainly. Well, while, while folks are thinking about that, I'll ask uh, that the three things you've talked about, uh, I think all have been somewhat, you know, affected by the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I guess that's the common factor. I mean, do you foresee pushback on this from uh, when the legislature comes back into town? Uh, certainly could be. Uh, yeah. There, you know, I wouldn't be terribly surprised. I think when the legislature comes back in town, there's going to be a lot of questions about, well, what are you doing? How are you providing uh, good quality education for the students? Uh, well, you know, we've got our uh, Navigating Change 2020 document, which as I'm sure a lot of board members know, that's about 1,100 page document. And um, I might, I don't know, uh, Scott, there's a brand new document that just came out. It is called the Kansas COVID Workgroup for Kids Mental Health Task Force. And it's a brand new document that just came out. I'll try to put it up to my camera so you can see what it looks like. And it is a document that has a lot, it is really good. So let me real quickly, there's an overview page, but then there's a page, uh, individual page, and it has social, it talks about social isolation, and then it gives some intervention and some resources. And then there's another page, separation anxiety. Again, uh, talks about it and some intervention and some resources. It goes on and there's several topics. One is staff well-being, talks about professional and organizational interventions, personal interventions. This is a great document that's brand new out. Um, I just got it. I'm on the School of Mental Health Advisory uh, Council, uh, actually chair that. And I just got this this morning and we're bringing this to our School of Mental Health Advisory Council here in a couple of weeks to share this with folks. So, you know, there's going to be issues, uh, and if you haven't already dealt with them, some folks I know have. I've heard some, some folks who've said they've already had some student suicides, which is, you know, just incredibly uh, disastrous and unfortunate. Uh, so, but this is a brand new document. So Scott, you might be looking for this when this gets out and be sending this out to your folks, Scott and Leah, because it's, it's a great document that's, brand new out. So uh, mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll be getting uh, questions from uh, folks uh, uh, about uh, legislators about a variety of things. Uh, we are continuing to work on the uh, recommendations for implementation of the bullying task force. Again, that's the School Mental Health Advisory Council group, and we will have that ready in time to go uh, 
to the board uh, either in December or January. Question here, a legislative committee yesterday shared their frustration with the motion to delay the dyslexia plan and proposing our proposing legislation. Well, I think they need to be talking to the schools is what I've got to say. Um, our, our schools and you board members know this, our schools are very overwhelmed and doing everything they can to keep keep things moving forward and uh, learning how to do remote learning, learning how to do hybrid learning, and learning how to do a new kind of in-person learning. So uh, we'll see where that goes. That, uh, that report you were referring to, do you know who put that out? Um, well, I got it from the department, so I don't know if it came through the department, but it's... Okay. Uh, I don't know. Okay, and, and as folks, if you're thinking of more questions, I'll ask a question. Uh, uh, Kathy, on the, on the, uh, on the KISA, uh, the, the uh, schools districts are gonna have to, I guess, provide a narrative on the effects of COVID uh, to the state board or to the department. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because that sounds like that would be really good uh, a good way for schools to, uh, for districts to explain what's been going on in there. I think it'd be an excellent way for school districts to explain. Yeah, we're asking that they talk about, uh, first of all, how COVID, the COVID pandemic has an, impacted your system. And I would suggest you include, now I don't know that this is what they're gonna tell you to do, but the financial impact, because the financial impact has been huge. The amount of additional monies that you all are having to spend on this, but then ask you to address uh, the social emotional needs and the academic. So what kind of an impact has that had? So that will be in the, in the Kiesa report also. So yeah, I think those are important that, uh, you know, this isn't business as usual this year. I mean, just as the end of last year was not business as usual. This, is, this year is not business as usual. It's, it's very different. Now, when I was out at Circle yesterday and they are going in person, although they've got some students doing remote and they've got a few doing hybrid. Uh, so the kids are glad to be back in school. The teachers are glad to be back in school. They're all masked up. Uh, they're all social distancing. So it's, it's a, their lunch procedures are vastly different. Uh, their passing periods that they're having to do at the middle school and the high school are uh, very different. Uh, teachers are moving from classroom to classroom more than the kids are moving from classroom to classroom. So there's a lot of different things uh, that folks are doing uh, this year as a result of COVID. Uh, question, are schools in redesign uh, getting extra time to complete like keys of lunch? Yes. We are allowing, uh, they have also been given the option to, uh, to delay for a year or to, uh, if they want to continue, they can continue, yes. Uh, for Mike, uh, districts are also assessing the degree of re regression in the learning that occurred last spring. Uh, there will need to be plans made and finances dedicated to closing that gap, absolutely. And I would suggest you kind of include that information in your KISA update for the boards. 
I, for the board, I think that uh, the state board, I think that for you local boards, that would be very helpful information. And for the state board, that would be very helpful. I think it would be helpful to present that to uh, uh, the legislature also, so they know uh, it. this is very different. Well, any more questions? Uh, I think that last point is very, very important. I mean, we have to let our legislators know um, what the uh, what the impacts and costs and, and just the general changes have meant to uh, our students. And this is not a business as usual year. Mm -hmm. and I'm not telling you local board members anything you don't know. <laughs> you you all know that. We just need to make sure that, and, and our parents know that. I mean, our parents definitely know that. Uh, but you all need to make sure our legislators know that. And we're going to have a lot of new ones I, come November, I'm sure, too. So it'll be important to be talking to them. Um, board members, I would encourage you to do some legislative work with folks once they your election uh, happens in November and uh, get them in and start working with them on things that are uh, that are going on. Okay. okay, well, I'm not seeing any more questions, uh, Kathy. Uh, thank you so much for covering these issues for us. Um, and uh, we, uh, we look forward to the state board's actions on these issues and, and appreciate all, uh, all the state board does. Uh, uh, you guys have really uh, had to do a lot more, <laughs> just like everyone else. And maybe the lack of further questions is just everyone's just wore out after the uh, first week or two of school. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand that. This has been a real interesting year uh, mm -hmm. at the state board level, local board level, and it's uh, been an interesting year for me to be chair, too. I've, <laughs> so, so much for being a retired girl, you know? <laughs> but thank you. I think I see a couple extra, couple of questions that came up. I'm not able to see the chat very well. Um, I think uh, Mike is wanting these slides to be, uh, they, they are public. Uh, the, the ones Kathy provided were uh, mostly from the Navigating Change, uh, but we could try to assemble them and I think we usually send our PowerPoint out or post it somewhere, so we'll figure that out. We post it on our website mm -hmm. directly after. The, uh, the uh, assurances, that piece was part of the navigating change. I don't think that the, the uh, KISA expectations due to board action, that's not, yeah. uh, that would not be so that, and you've got that document, so right mm -hmm. there. Okay. Well, Kathy, thank you very much. And, and uh, Lee and I have, have a few more things to talk about. So if you guys want to stay with us, please do. If you want to you cut out and get your lunch, that's, we'll understand. But we have really important information. So don't go away. Thank you again, <laughs> Kathy. Appreciate yeah. all, your, yeah. all your help and your service. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Okay. Well, the next... The next uh, item we'd like to discuss with you briefly is our KASB Legislative Committee report. Uh, you may know if you're a regular watcher that KASB has a legislative committee that's made up of representatives from each of our 10 
geographic regions, as well as the five largest population school districts. That group meets in August uh, to begin developing uh, policy platforms that Mark and I and Scott use when we work in the State House in Topeka, and also a, a federal document that we use when we lobby uh, in Congress. And so, if there's a uh, if there's an issue that is not addressed in our policy platforms, we tend not to to lobby on that issue, or we use we use our platforms to to guide us and direct us. But uh, our members are directly involved in annual uh, feedback and input about the 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 uh, the um, sorry I'm, I'm losing my train of thought about the uh, the positions that we advocate on for you in Topeka and Washington DC so the uh, committee uh, released a first draft of a proposed state issues platform which was um, uh, disseminated through our news briefs on uh, September 15th there's a link in that news brief to the kind of slimmed down state policy document, which really focuses on the most pressing COVID area issues and uh, connects those to our state goals from the Kansas State Department of Education and the State Board of Education and to KASB pathways that you have seen uh, referenced in some of our other materials. So our state goals are around student success, uh, for happy, healthy individuals, engaged community members, uh, their student success pathways, you can see here. And so our kind of slimmed down state COVID document is available at the link there that you see at the bottom of the screen. And you can, uh, you can give us in input on this document throughout uh, the next several weeks. We are having three regional roundtables. Uh, they are on September 30th, October 7th, and October 14th, where we'll be solicita soliciting your impact, your input, and we will also be soliciting input from you all up until um, November when a final document is then kicked back out to the membership and uh, will be discussed at our annual convention in December and then finalized at our uh, Advocacy in Action Legislative Conference in January. So again, you can find that document at the link at the bottom of the page, and you should also have received it uh, if you receive our KASB news briefs. There's a story in uh, the September 15th issue with a link to that draft state issues document. Are there any questions about this particular item? and our legislative platform. All right, if not, I think we'll move on quickly to SPARC. Uh, as you may know, the SPARC uh, funding that is uh, facilitated through the Federal CARES Act is uh, reaching the end of its, um, its uh, approval phase. The uh, SPARC Executive Committee and Task Force met earlier this week and approved uh, some spending levels and targets for this final round of funding that uh, must be spent by the end of this calendar year. And the group voted to focus their um, focus the funding on public health, uh, specifically more COVID testing. Uh, 
on essential needs and services, uh, specifically around housing stability. And then um, $40 million is uh, recommended for business resiliency and workforce support. And, and really the primary issue of discussion there is about child supervision, which as you know, is an issue for our parents as they return to work, our parents and guardians as they return to work, have children though attending school, sometimes uh, remotely or in hybrid situations. And, uh, you know, uh, the parents need some assistance on the days when kids are learning from home. And so there's been quite a bit of discussion over the last few weeks about the need for that. And uh, the task force and the executive committee agreed that there should be about $40 million of funding directed towards uh, groups who can assist with that child supervision piece during the school week. And yesterday, the State Finance Council, which is made up of the governor and the leaders of the various um, houses of the legislature and the uh, appropriating committees did approve these funding levels for the next and final round of SPARC funding. So not uh, specifically on K-12 issues per se, but as you can, as you know, the uh, child care and child supervision piece does touch uh, our school districts as well. So be on the lookout for some additional funding for some possible partnerships uh, between you all and some of your local providers, such as, you know, say the YMCA or, or some uh, groups like that. Are there any questions on Spark? Okay. Wanted to quickly brief you on something we reported on earlier this week. The uh, Federal Communications Commission announced that they are opening a new round of uh, funding for the E-rate program, which many of you use to help your schools and libraries um, pay for broadband internet access. So the FCC had closed out that funding for 2020 in April, but due to the demands on uh, school districts and libraries uh, as a result of the COVID pandemic, particularly around remote learning, they've opened up an additional round of funding and applications are due to the FCC by October 16th. Just so you uh, know, the E-rate funding can only be used for classroom and school use. Uh, it is not at this point available for uh, student home access to broadband internet. So um, it, it does not uh, apply to say hotspots or those types of things that you might send home with kids who don't have access at home. This E-rate funding is really more for your on-campus broadband uh, capability. So uh, just some a new round of funding and some additional funding there available for schools uh, to help address the increased need for um, broadband and internet service because of remote and hybrid learning. Any questions about that? Okay, we'll move on to the next slide and I think uh, Scott's gonna take over here about uh, the election. Uh, believe it or not, uh, the, uh, the campaign that had seems to have been going on forever is, is, is heading down the final stretch, I guess. Uh, so here are some dates. Um, uh, we've got about three weeks or two a month before the last day to register to vote. Advanced voting begins October 14th. 
and I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting mail every day from groups uh, wanting uh, me to send an application in for a, uh, a mail-in ballot. And uh, I, I guess I should write back to them and just say, you know, I plan to vote. You can stop sending me this. But anyway, uh, so uh, I guess the just make a plan to vote. Uh, carry out that plan. Everyone is saying if you're going to do a mail-in, do it as early as possible uh, because of uh, problems that we're seeing with the post office. So um, it, it looks like we're, we had record mail-in uh, ballots during the August primaries. This is going to happen again. Uh, so uh, just um, uh, if you're going to do the mail-in and, and that's Totally understandable. Everyone is still concerned about the pandemic, and and it is a very convenient way to vote. Just uh, uh, make sure you do it as as soon as you can. This is uh, you know we're we're uh, of course we're urging our members to always advocate on behalf of public schools, always engage uh, our candidates. Uh, and, and, you know, whether they seem to be for us or against us, you know, we, we need to inform them about the issues, uh, let them know what's going on in your schools. Uh, obviously, you know, we're, we're going through unprecedented times and, and they need to understand this. Um, you know, they just need to understand. I mean, you know, uh, my wife was telling me the, the pre-K and kindergarten are back in their school and she says, these kids, they want to be with each other. It's, it's, it's hard to keep them socially distant. I mean, that's how kids are. And I think, I think candidates, uh, if they don't understand that, they, they need to understand that, uh, you know, teachers, schools are facing uh, issues that they've, they've never had to deal with before. And uh, uh, so, that, so any, any way we can convey that message to our uh, candidates uh, uh, is, would be uh, helpful. Uh, we have a lot of election resources on our webpage. We have a nice video and podcast and uh, Leah uh, put together and posted recently a, a list of all the candidates. So if you're confused as to who's running for what and where, uh, we have that on our uh, webpage. So uh, please, please feel free to use that resource at will and share it and pass it along. Uh, our Secretary of State, Scott Schwab, and uh, KSB, KNEA, USA Kansas, and uh, Keisha are uh, all uh, on board to try to get more students as poll workers. Uh, we have uh, an aging uh, workforce <laughs> uh, manning the polls, uh, and uh, uh, so we're trying to get young people involved. This is a great thing to teach them what the election system is all about, what our, our system or what our system of government is all about. And uh, there are uh, ways that this helps instill civic engagement. It gets people, it gets kids interested in politics. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing, but no, it probably is. Uh, but uh, you know, that's gonna, I mean, our, our kids need to know, you know, the process of voting. I mean, it's, it seems to be a mystery to some, but, but, but we need to, we need to uh, get our kids uh, uh, in, into uh, the habit of, of voting. 
here are some incentives that you may be able to use to uh, get high school students uh, involved as poll workers. Uh, you can allow them excused absences. You can provide some extra credit. Uh, you can set up a lunch and learn with uh, local elected officials uh, so that they can become more involved in the, uh, in the election and democratic process. And here are some, here's some more information about being a poll worker. Uh, the Kansas Secretary of State's office is of course kind of heading this effort, uh, but uh, you can get information from their office at that number, that 1-800 number or that uh, email address, and they will be more than happy to help you. They are very proactive on this. Is that it? Well, thank you all for being with us. Leah, do you have any other info you'd like to share? Or? I do not. Would love to take any uh, questions that you all might have about anything we discussed today. Yeah, while you're thinking of those questions, I just thought I'd, of something I'd promote. Uh, Wednesday, we have another Lunch and Learn. Uh, this is put on by our leadership staff. These are great uh, one-hour segments for board members. Uh, this week, uh, Wednesday, we have... Uh, a staff person from the Kansas Corporation Commission who's going to talk about a program called Lifeline. And this is a very underutilized, but could be a, a good program for your folks to know. It helps low-income Kansans get discounts on telephone and internet service. So uh, she'll be here to talk about Lifeline. Uh, and we are also promoting that. And our uh, uh, attorney, Sam, Sam Blasey, will be on hand. I think he's going to talk about the uh, executive order 2059 that deals with masks and temperature checks and those kinds of things at schools. A lot of confusion about this. And uh, I'm sure Sam will make it uh, clear to everyone uh, where, where, uh, where this executive order stands. So that's our lunch and learn on Wednesday. Uh, we have a legal uh, student rights uh, uh, seminar coming up, Zoom session next week. And of course, we've got our regional uh, Zoom sessions coming up uh, toward the end of the month. So I'll just promote those. And if, if you all are thinking of any questions, I'm not thinking, I'm not seeing any, Leah. If you hadn't noticed, Mark Tallman was not here. He had some very well-deserved rest in R&R &R today. So we appreciate you all showing up uh, even while our, uh, our leader was gone. I guess that's it, Leah. Well, thank you all, all right. very much. Thanks, everybody. Y'all have, have a great me. weekend and, and, uh, and a great next week.